your house the Lord will grant it your fear. If you're a little bit cool this morning, just snuggle in. Just move in closer, even if you don't know that person. Romans chapter 8 this morning, as you're turning there, I hope that you are available to that. We'd love to have you come and attend. Um, you want to see, I want to see, uh, first out of the church of more Berean. Believe in the sense that we're studying and savoring and learning from God's Word ourselves. We're feeding ourselves and, and enjoying God's Word. And so we want to help you along that pathway this season. And I'd love to, the Lord, to instruct you in that. We're going to finish out Romans chapter 8. This is our ninth week, not our eighth week, but our ninth week in Romans 8. Technically called the Great Week. The idea being that this is what the Christian life looks like. And God is here to pick up residence with him. This is what he enables us to do. How he enables us to live and see. And if we want to enjoy the fruits and joy that is ours in Jesus Christ, then we need that God's experience through the work inside of us. And we come really to see the capstone of that. We can come to the uh, the finality. If I was just conducting, you can almost imagine me with a little rod popping it and building to crescendo this great story of God's grace and God's peace in our lives. So we find ourselves in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. Romans 8, 31 to 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He suffered his pride to be without elect, and God exemplified him, and gave him in vain, for the Christ to die. And furthermore, is also written, and even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. He shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us. From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Father, these words are beautiful. To be a lyrical truth in our hearts for this one. I pray for the ability to be still now before you, to be able to savor and meditate and ruminate on these great truths. Pray, Lord God, that you slow us down. Help us to be still. Try to use the same language as we moderns. Father, how we struggle with Christ. Now, for a few moments together, Lord, I pray that we would listen to you, to hear from you, working, feeding, from gifting, from turning us to the inside. Please speak to people I ask. Gather us around the table. And Father, we ask all of this in the name of 
first chapter of that story of Mary. But all around my soul gives way, he bears all my hopes and sorrows. Few words are no time for swift qualities or sentimental ripples. The glacier of death scrapes away the sod, leaving exposed over the years, I've noticed that this portion of Roman day seems to find its way into funeral services. Well, I wonder about that. Why is that? I think, and so take it for what it's worth, I think I have observed, I think that he was selected because of his clarity, his scope, and his sheer power. Frankly, I wish we thought while we were talking more about our funeral services, not to be morbid, but frankly, as the children of the Most God, who can say of death, or death wears a similar grave, wears a victory. I think it would be a great exercise. You and your wife are going to go home and do this thing, just sit down and say, what do we want to do during this season? What do we want to say? Says, but this is one of the most lyrical sentences that Paul ever wrote. 
Well, you think you know the justice that you did in me? This justice is for you. If you see me as a savior, this justice is for you. This is undying, unmoving, unflinching affection. It is love that has the ocean. Here is a love that will not let me down. You know what encouragement is down to? You've all heard the illustration, I'm sure, of feeling like a boyfriend who wrote that as he would cross the hottest desert, he would climb the highest mountain, he would swim the deepest sea, and then he said, I'll see you on Friday to talk real. We've all heard that before. And he was charged with the because he, he's confessing affection, but not really. So in coming to Romans 8, we, we feel God confessing affection for us. It's not Of that. If God is prepared 
to lay down the life of Jesus for our sins and our redemption and redeeming for us. And so she's no longer in trouble with lesser things. That's the fourth of Paul's line of argument here. Having truly been a shadow of doubt, his affection and care for his creation, there is a loyalty here, brothers and sisters, that we can find that that we can take from him. And we must never allow our familiarity with this truth to dull its luster or lessen its power. We see Marge's creation, and we see the need of rescue, a rescuer who sent forth. Our greatest treasure, brothers and sisters, given to us over sin and death and shame, is Jesus Christ. More than our 401, our family heirlooms, our bags of old coins, our stocks, and our bonds, all the greatest treasure as the church of Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ. That's the reality of being forth here. God's grace is infinitely valuable to us. This is an irresistible logic. If He's already given us the greatest gift, you don't think He's going to come through with the smaller stuff? You don't think He's got the power to um, make other things come to pass? Think about buying a super expensive watch. And you order it, and it comes to the mail, and you realize that all it is is the work ring. There's no tape around it. You buy a super expensive watch. They didn't provide the tape for it, and this is how you're going to find it. This is how you're going to find it. And yet, sometimes, you can't even believe that that's the way you do it. But I've got to get more. I've got to do more. I've got to add to that's not the case here, as Paul argues in Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, He went to great lengths to procure our rescue. Do you think He's ever going to let you go? Did He ever laugh for your joyful? The response to that would be no, not really. But I think there's one belief Matthew says in how shall He lend of faith in a how shall He? Talking, the Great, there are none left, 
Not the things that come forth from the beautiful faces, but all no other students. The one who put for the sun has chosen not to throw the sun. The one who did not judge Jesus, the altogether lovely one, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has rendered a verdict this. Go and see no more. It's the glory of God's grace vindicating his children. Who can be charged to God's elect? Nobody. Why? Because God justified Our neighbors, not our friends, not our family members, but God justified Is there anyone who could condemn fully? The response is no. Because Christ has died for the offended and has paid for our crimes and sins. In the old Israel tabletop, I read this. What makes our regeneration permanent is not our perseverance, but God's preservation. Also, it is not how diligently we persevere and persevere we must, but how well God preserves us faithfully. The glory of Jesus in whom all judgment has been committed does not set Satan and defendant, rather, place for him, and there is no one else who can have a solid reason for condemning us. Our brothers and sisters, that's good news. For those of us wondering, in light of our feelings, our feelings, our feelings, our Lord, am I still okay with you? Are you still alive with me? Which promise have you made to me? Is it still active? Is it still in force? Verses like this go absolutely. It's not about your hope on God, but God's spirit on us. Now, right away, I, I can hear the response of some hearts and say, well, then I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. I'm just going to live, live a filthy, sinful life, and He's going to forgive me. Does that sound like the call of someone that has been redeemed by the Most High God? It doesn't to me. But the glory of God's work is that because we have been so saved, we are so grateful, so thankful to Him, it changes the way that we live, move, and have our existence. Because our debt has been paid forward as sin, as pride, as the cross, and not open another account and then run it into the red. C.H. Spurgeon is quoting as saying that he was so sure of his salvation that he could swim over the fires of hell on a corn stalk, look into the eyes of the devil, and say, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And this Spurgeon said, Well, that we have that kind of confidence. Oh, that we have that kind of affection. And understanding of what God has done for us. Oh, that we have that kind of boldness. There is the richness of theology that affects the way that we live and move and have our existence. Thirdly, finally, this God's grace overcomes any and all trials. God's grace overcomes any and all trials. Verse 35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He may have few words. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Paul, the apostle, has experienced all of that except sordid. And that's coming for the apostle Paul. For Paul has known what it's like to endure tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril. He's done all of that. He's done the faithfulness of God in the midst of that. So maybe you can think about, you know, Paul shows up in town and it's either a riot or a revival, but all the while God is caring for his people. He 
think about him being stoned in Lystra, shipwrecked in Mediterranean, beaten in Philippine, not in Jerusalem, bitten on Malta by the poison spirit. All the while, God is faithful, faithful, faithful to us. In fact, even though you need a hand in your anticipation of Paul's life, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he's ready to be offered. He's ready to be poured out like a drink offering. He has the desire to the heart. Amazingly, Paul has found God faithful to him in the midst of that. It's not until we can see that he thought he would do this, there shouldn't be any trauma, stress, tribulation, or trouble. In fact, the truth of the important is that he wants to be known as Jesus. There is a component in which we become partakers of the suffering of Jesus. You identify with Jesus strongly in this workable world, and you can expect to get that. And yet, amazingly, the grace of God is so much at work that He will strengthen us in the midst of those things. Verse 36 suffering is always been the portion for the righteous. Psalm 44, 22. Identifying with Christ, sharing the suffering of Christ, Acts 5, 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 4. So, no church is only as a privilege to suffer alongside of Jesus Christ as the Savior. And then verse 37 gives this word of impregnability. Yet, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. More than conquerors. A hypo nucleomai. The word Jesus, our Lord. Paul lists the three of potential errors. 
open up the fall of dominoes one after another. But you just wait for that. When you when you like wait at night before you drift off in the lava, you can expect the fall of one of the next that you need to do. Do you find it in any way? Do you are bound up in these verses? Tribulation, distress, anger, sanctuary, death. There's this, there's this reason where Paul just piling up these words and these ideas and calling us to rescue us to this world. I remember as a little boy asking my dad what he was afraid of when he was young. And I wasn't ready for his response.